0: Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo. Hi, everyone. Hope this finds you in good health and secure. Shariputra, in an age to come, you shall be venerated for your achievement of the universal wisdom of a Buddha. Your name shall be called Flower Glow, and you shall save or liberate incalculable multitudes, having made offerings to numberless Buddhas, having perfected Bodhisattva conduct, the ten strengths and the other such meritorious qualities, and having borne direct witness to the unexcelled path. Right, And I use that word wisdom a lot, if you'll recall. This is our Buddha mind, Bearing witness, moment to moment, of the actual engine of life, the process of life, the, the coming into being of potential, changing throughout every moment in momentum. Hmm? The same momentum, the same process as the entire cosmos, all happening in the same moment to moment to moment to moment. What an amazing thing to witness. What an amazing thing to become conscious of. For the mind to be focused on, in, engaged with. Rather than constantly trying to cling to the past and crave to the future. The past and future, they're going to be there. But that's not where life is. Right? So witness, witness is a good word because witness is something that happens in the moment. It's not a conjecture of vision created in the brain and the mind to encapsulate, to capture, to identify, to discriminate. No, just see it moment to moment to moment. It's a very different kind of Hmm, words fail, huh? Consciousness. And when you hear, uh, I've read this many times and thought maybe I should talk about that, having made offerings to numberless Buddhas. What the hell is that about? How many Buddhas are you going to make offerings to? Well, all you need to remember is that you and I and every sentient mind on the planet has the ability to become aware that Buddha is just another state of mind that we simply sleep through. We we don't we don't call it up. We don't awaken it. We let it sit dormant while we're busy collecting, hmm? like little monkeys running around for something to eat. Not that that's. Not usable, but if it's your entire focus, you're missing the greater picture. And having borne direct witness to the unexcelled path, experience that's the Dharma, experiencing this consciousness, this awareness, this Buddha. When incalculable kalpas have passed, the kalpa shall be named adorned with great jewels. The world shall be named free of defilement. These naming conventions, you're not going to go to the local flea market and get some, uh, you remember you used to go to what do we call them, swap meets. And there was always some kind of a wood engraver there who could make a, a sign with your address on it or the, your family name, the Chamberlains, Right a lot of letters in that one so that sign costs a little more <laughs> that's not what he's talking about naming is a convention of samsara it's identification so he's saying the the mental space your your a, uh, the apparition of the world around you moment to moment will seem like jewels and lapis lazuli it, He's trying to relate, for, in familiar terms, to the culture he's speaking to, the things that they value, that they think opulent, right? Always the jewels, the seven jewels, Renge kyo. Because those are the things that samseric beings value as priceless or or unattainable, right? That's why he's using these terms. Oh, your world will become uh, adorned with jewels. Not because it will actually be adorned with jewels, but it will feel like, it will appear as though everything is glistening like jewels. Because you will be aware, awake. Hmm? Follow the world shall be named free of defilement you go ahead name something in your backyard free of defilement see if it makes any difference of course not named as in identified as this is free of defilement a far different statement yeah being pure and without blemish having vaidhurya for its soil Setting off its highways with golden cords, its partic- uh, particolored, wow, particolored trees of seven jewels. There's that seven jewels again. Constantly blooming and bearing fruit, the bodhisattvas of that realm shall be ever firm of intent and mindfulness, attitude and intent, attitude and intent. Boy, he just keeps hammering on that, right? Because that's where it is. Their supernatural penetrations and paramitas all having been thoroughly perfected and they themselves in the presence of numberless Buddhas having learned well the Bodhisattva path great worthies such as these shall have been converted by the Buddha flower glow. When a prince The Buddha, forsaking his realm and setting aside his honors in his final body, unattached, shall leave the household life and achieve the Buddha path. The Buddha flower glow shall abide in the world for a lifespan of 12 minor kalpas. The people of his realm shall have a lifespan of eight minor kalpas. After the Buddha shall have passed into extinction, his true dharma shall abide in the world for 32 minor kalpas, broadly sa- liberating the living beings. I hate that word saving. right? Who does the saving? Really, if you want to dig into it. right? I've talked about this before. Is it, If you fall off a boat and somebody throws you a a life uh, saver, there's that saving, right? That life, that float. Are they saving you? Or are you saving you by reaching out and grabbing it? Because it's your attitude and intent to continue to get past this obstacle that does the saving. So I would rather use the word liberate because it's much more owned. Saving indicates from something somewhere else. I don't uh, fault them for helping me to save myself, but the saving is on ourselves to do. So therefore, it's more like liberating, like getting your shoe unstuck from a muddy hole. Hmm? Right? You're not saved from the mud. You're liberated from it. So Broadly, liberating the living beings. When his true dharma is completely extinct, there shall be a counterfeit dharma for 32 minor kalpas. His sarita shall be spread far and wide, and gods and men everywhere shall make offerings to it. But the Buddha flower glow shall do, what the Buddha uh, flower glow shall do, shall all be as I have said that one sainted and venerable among two-legged beings shall be most distinguished without his like, he shall be none other than you yourself. You should and ought to be delighted. So there's a little bit of an ominous tone there, right? And we'll get into that more later. The age, mapo, the time, right, that Nietzschean, sees himself at the beginning of this time of great delusion and distractions where this precious, amazing insight, this teaching of the Lotus Sutra will be manipulated and destroyed and and just become a footnote in history. It's very, very potentially in this era the time when it could be lost and it will undoubtedly happen at some point there are a lot of competing voices out there chipping away at it turning it into just a another one of many instead of the singular preciousness that it is right and at that time when it happens, if it happens, we'll have to have another another appearance embodied form of Buddha, right? And that's the story, the projected prop um, story of Maitreya. Hmm. Not not anywhere near happening now. A lot of us are making efforts to make sure this teaching is kept correct true Nitrin. Uh, most of all telling us to do as he does live this namo myo in every moment right and the more we do so and the more we inspire others to do so maybe we can counter this storm of personal agendas and pollution and politics Certainly hope so. that's what we're all trying to do, right? In the meantime, enlightening ourselves is our vehicle, our Bodhisattva vehicle to do exactly that to imbue the world, our environment around us with this correct, pure teaching experience Dharma hmm? So now uh, having <laughs> having finished that. Uh, those gathas, at that time the fourfold multitude, bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, and upasikas, as well as a great multitude of gods, dragons, Yakshas, grandavas, asuras, garudas, kinaras, maharagas, and the like, seeing Shariputra receive in the Buddha's presence a prophecy of anuttara samyaksambodai, perfect and complete enlightenment, Danced endlessly for joy of heart, and each removing the uppermost garment he was wearing, presented it to the Buddha as an offering. Sacro Devanam Indra and Brahma, the king of the gods, together with numberless sons of gods, also made offerings to the Buddha of their fine divine garments and of divine Mandarava and Mahamandarava flowers. The divine garments they had scattered remained stationary in the open air. They just floated. Then, turned about by themselves, divine musicians all together at once made music of hundred thousand myriads of kinds in the open air, and raining down many divine flowers spoke these words. The Buddha in former times in Varanasi first turned the dharma wheel, now, at long last, he is again turning the unexcelled and supremely great dharma wheel. At that time, the sons of gods, wishing to restate this meaning, proclaimed Gathas, saying, formerly in Varanasi, you turned the dharma wheel of the four truths, right, the four noble truths, with discrimination, preaching the Dharmas, the origination and extinction of their five collections, right? the, the skandhas. Now again, you tur- you're turning the most subtle, unexcelled, great Dharma wheel. This Dharma is profound and recondite. For few there are, though uh, are who can believe in it. From of old, we have often heard the world honored one preach but have never before heard such a profound and subtle superior dharma. When the world-honored one preaches this dharma, we are all delighted accordingly. The great, wise Shariputra has now been able to receive an august prediction. We also, in this way, shall certainly be able to become Buddhas in all the world's most venerable and having none superior." the Buddha path, beyond reckoning and discussion, we shall preach by resort to expedient devices and in accord with what is peculiarly appropriate. What meritorious deeds are ours, whether in the present age or in ages gone by, as well as the merit of having seen Buddhas, we divert completely to the Buddha path. At that time, Shariputra addressed the Buddha, saying, World-honored one, I now have no more doubts or second thoughts since I have been personally enabled to receive the Buddha's presence in the Buddha's presence, a prophecy of Anuttara Samyak Sambodai. These 1,200 who freely control their own thoughts uh, formerly dwelt on the level of learners, right, Sravakas, The Buddha constantly taught them, uh, saying, my dharma can separate one from birth, old age, sickness, and death, making possible the complete achievement of nirvana, liberation from the cycle of... In other words, not leaving the moment-to-moment engine of life and being human with a sentient being. It's not, again... It's too easy to look at that and go, well, we need to annihilate and get rid of all our, what we call our self or our ego in order to become enlightened. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's actually saying is let go of it. Detach. Don't be completely preoccupied and identified with the moment-to-moment past the where the where the process has been pay attention to the process itself because when you're distracted to that past then you start to imagine what it might be in the future and now you're fully in illusion delusion nothing is what it was and nothing is what you're imagining it to become it's all happening here be present present that is Buddha. Oh, when you do that, it's not that everything becomes magically different. It's that your understanding, your participation, your impression, your identification with the engine of life becomes contemporaneous. It becomes very real, right? Any of you go fishing anytime? Or watch fishing shows? How entertaining. Anyway. (laughs) When you're struggling with a fish to bring it in with all of the little nuances that that requires, you're in it. Once the fish is caught, it's no longer about fishing. Once you tell stories about a fish you caught five years ago, it's a story. It's not about catching fish. Once you cook or think about how you will cook this fish that you've caught, you're no longer fishing. Why isn't that obvious? It's obvious in this example, isn't it? But that's not how we look at life. We look at life as this vast collection of identity that we want to... Push somehow imaginatively into the future. What will I do with all of this? It's not fishing. It's not living. The living is when you're struggling with the rod in your hand on the edge of a uh, the earth in the water on a ship, uh, uh, whatever, and you're in the act. That's fishing just like living, right? You don't get rid of the lake or the fish or the the 10 pound test line or the boat or any of that. You just experience. you just do it. That's all we're saying. That's all Shakyamuni is saying. You need to get your mind wrapped around this Dharma, this experience. And then the rest, Right, if you're in the middle of landing a nice big, you know, ocean fish, you know, make it a big struggle, or even if it's just a little trout in the lake or a stream. When you're in the midst of doing that, are you really concerned about how many shoelaces you have for your shoes at home? Or painting the garage, or your relationships, or your job. No, that's the whole point of going fishing. Just to obliterate that. Well, it may seem an oversimplification and I, I grant you it is. But when we chant to our mandala to open our gohonzon mind and get into the flow of life. It's no different than when an artist or an engineer or any name a discipline. You get into a flow of whatever it is you're doing you experience life uniquely clearly you're not getting rid of anything you're getting rid of distractions and that is what we're doing with our minds we're clarifying where life really exists now, i grant you doing this opening the buddha mind we can't even there are no words to discuss how to fathom that amazing, cosmic experience, right? It's vast, well beyond entertainments of the skandhas because truth be known, fishing, no matter how exciting it might be, or bowling or painting or whatever it is that you get into a flow of, those are samsaric things. And that is the very thing that in the Lotus Sutra, Shakyamuni is identifying, there are many things, processes, involvements that can distract from to lesser goals. But none come close to the awakening, the Anuttara Samyak Sambhalai, right? And that, if we don't distinguish it, and understand it, experience it, can easily slip through the cracks while we're distracted with fishing, painting, samsaric flows, right? Inflows, outflows. That's what that's about. When you reach anuttara samyaksambodai, supreme, perfect, complete enlightenment, this dharma, There will be no flows necessary because everything is the flow. We, the fish, the planet, the galaxies, the entire cosmos, the same flow. How can you comprehend, right? The Buddha constantly taught them saying, my dharma can separate one from birth, old age, sickness, and death, making possible the complete achievement of nirvana. This break from distraction. These persons, the learners, and those who had nothing more to learn, also thought, on the grounds that they had separated themselves from the view of I and from the view of there is, and there is not, that they had attained nirvana. Yet now, in the presence of the world-honored one, having heard what they had heard never before, they have fallen into doubt and uncertainty. Pratyaka Buddhas, Arhats, Shravakas. Wow, we thought we were well on the way, but we didn't understand the profundity of what this... paradigm shift can be. Very well, O world-honored one, I beg you for the sake of the fourfold multitude to explain the causes and conditions, thus separating them from their doubts and second thoughts. At that time, the Buddha declared to Shariputra, did I not say formally that the Buddhas, the world-honored ones, by resort to a variety of explanations of causes and conditions, parables, words and phrases, and expedient devices, preach the Dharma, that all is for the purpose of Anuttara Samyaksambodai. This is because these preachings are all effected in order to convert bodhisattvas, However, Shariputra, I shall now once again, by resort to a parable, clarify this meaning. For they who have intelligence gain understanding through parables. Here comes another expedient means, skillful device, right? Shariputra, where are we time-wise? I need a little drink. Ooh, hot coffee, hmm Shariputra, imagine that in a country or a state city state or a municipality has a man of great power great influence right advanced in years and of incalculable wealth owning many fields and houses as well as servants okay his house is broad and great it has only one doorway but Great multitudes of human beings, 100 or 200 or even 500, are dwelling in it. (laughs) Big house. The halls are rotting. The walls crumbling. The pillars decayed at their base. The beams and ridge poles precariously tipped. What Does no one give a crap about all these people living there and they're not lifting a finger? They just take, 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 take. Boy, this analogy sounds a little close to home in our world today, doesn't it? Throughout the house, and all at the same time, quite suddenly a fire breaks out. Go figure. Burning down all the apartments, the great man's sons, 10 or 20 or 30 of them, are still in the house. The great man directly he sees this great fire breaking out from the four directions. He's alarmed and terrified. He then has this thought. Though I was able to get out safely through this burning doorway, yet my sons, within the burning house, attached as they are to their games, are unaware, ignorant, unperturbed, unafraid. The world is literally crumbling down around them because of this fire and this decrepit old building, huge as it is, but can't be separated from my VR glasses and my phone and my Game Boy and so on and so forth. And this elderly man is thinking I could save myself, but I, you know, my sons. The fire is coming to press in upon them. The pain will cut them to the quick. They won't last long. Yet at heart, they are not horrified, nor have they any wish to leave. What the hell? Don't you see what's happening to the world around you? You can already see the analogy, yes? Shariputra, this great man has the following thought. I am a man of great physical strength. I might in the folds of my robe or on top of a table, take them out of the house. He thinks, this house has only one doorway, which furthermore is narrow and small. The children are young and, as yet having no understanding, are in love with their playthings. Samsara. They may fall victim to the fire and be burned. I must explain uh, the terror of it to them. This house is already on fire. They must make haste and get out in time. I must not let this fire burn them to death. Compassion, wanting to save others, right? This is the lesson of the Bodhisattva. When he has had these thoughts, then in accord with his decision, he says explicitly to the children, get out quickly, all of you. Though the father in his compassion... Urges them with explicit words, yet the children, attached as they are to their games and samsara and identification, that's that's the ego. Hmm? Not they, they do not na- deign to believe him or to accept what he says. Ah, leave us a longer. We're busy playing. Unalarmed and unafraid, they have not the least intention of leaving. For they do not even know what a fire is or what a house is. Not, their sphere of influence is so tightly bound to the identification and the skandas, yeah, or what it means to lose anything, right? All they do is run back and forth looking at their father. At that time the great man has this thought. This house is already aflame with a great fire. If I do not get out in time, the children and I, if we do not get out in time, the children and I shall certainly be burned. I will now devise an expedient whereby I shall enable the children to escape this disaster. I'll use what's familiar to them, what has them wrapped in attention, I'll use a device that's commensurate with that in order to lead them, right, to liberate them from their current activities so that they will take the initiative to save themselves, Mm -hmm. liberate themselves from their attachments by taunting them with yet another it's a horrible device but it will save their lives and maybe after their lives are saved ding, you know they'll get a clue maybe so let me try this and this is this is very much what we're faced with when we're spreading the teachings of Namo Myoho yeah of Myoho to be true to be accurate I will now devise an experience whereby I will enable the children to escape this disaster. Right? He empowers them. The father knows the children's preconceptions, whereby each child has his preferences, his feelings being specifically attached to his several precious toys and unusual playthings. Accordingly, the father proclaims to them the things you so love to play with are rare and hard to get if you do not get them you are certain to regret it later things like these a variety of goat-drawn carriages carriages deer-drawn carriages and ox-drawn carriages are now outside the door for you to play with i have a lot more better Come out of this burning house quickly, all of you. I will give all of you what you desire. The children hear what their father says. There's that craving. From clinging to craving. You watching? Since rare playthings are exactly what they desire, the heart of each is emboldened, shoving one another aside in a mad race. Mind, mine, 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 right? All together in a rush, they leave the burning house. They want first dibs. They want the best. They don't even know what it is, but they know they want the best, right? That's that craving, desire. At this time, the great man, seeing that his children have contrived to get out safely and that all are seated in an open space at a crossroads, is no longer troubled. Whew. We all made it out of the burning house. You can almost hear it crumbling in the background, right? You can make a short film about this. At this time, the great man, seeing that the children had contrived to get out safely and that all are seated in the open space, secure at heart, he dances for joy. Oh, I did it. Then the children all address their father, saying, Father, the things you promised us while a, a while ago, the lovely playthings, the goat-drawn carriages, deer-drawn carriages, and ox-drawn carriages, Well, they're not here. Give us now, if you please. These little brats. (laughs) Right? Gosh, you're alive. Don't you realize what just happened? I want my toys. Shariputra, at that time, the great man gives to each child one great carriage. The carriage is high and wide, adorned with a multitude of jewels, surrounded by posts and handrails, little bells suspended on all four sides. Also, on its top are spread out parasols and canopies. Further, it is adorned with an assortment of rare and precious jewels, intertwined with jewel cords and hung with flowered tassels, having heaps of carpets decorated with strips of cloth as well as vermilion-colored cushions. It is yoked to a white ox whose skin is pure white, whose bodily form is lovely, whose muscular strength is great, whose tread is even and fleet like the wind. This ox also has many attendants serving and guarding it. What is the reason? Because this great man of great wealth, incalculable wealth, has various storehouses, all full to overflowing, has this thought. My wealth being limitless, I may not give small inferior carriages to my children. Now these little boys are all my sons. I love them without distinction. I have carriages such as these, made of seven jewels in incalculable numbers. I must give one to each of them with undiscriminating thought. I may not make distinctions. What is the reason? I take these things and distribute them to the whole realm, not stinting even then. How much the more should I sow so to my own children? At this time, the children, each mounting his great carriage, gains something they have never had before, something they have never even hoped for. Shariputra, what do you think? When this great man gives equally to all his children great carriages adorned with precious jewels, is he guilty of falsehood or not? He didn't give him his children what he said he was going to give them. And then when they beseeched him, he gave them all equally the greatest wealth that he could in attachments, but honoring his word, even though those brat children don't seem to have gotten the lesson, he's just deeply appreciative that they're alive, that he was able to move them. Hmm? Shariputra says, uh, No world honored one, this great man has but enabled his children to escape the calamity of fire, thus preventing their bodily lives. He is guilty of no falsehood. Why? Because the preve- preservation whole of their bodily lives means that they have already received a lovely plaything. For what reason is that? All the other playthings, oh, honored one, were taken in exchange for their very lives. How much the more so when by resort to expedient device he has rescued them from that burning house, world honored one, had this great man given them not one tiny carriage he would still be no liar right because that's not the point why because this great man first thought by resort to an expedient device i will enable the children to get out for this reason he is guilty of no falsehood how much the more is this true when the great man his children i'm sorry the great man now knowing that his wealth is incalculable and wishing to confer advantage on his children gives to all equally a great carriage. The Buddha proclaimed to Sariputra, good, good, it is as you say. Sariputra, the thus come one is also like this. The analogy is clear. right? Shakyamuni has watched people suffer since he was Siddhartha Gautama and his whole mission is to get these people out of this conceited state of mind to realize that the preciousness of life is much more vast than all of the egotistical little baubles identified with to make some image of some, some self as all-powerful or all-having, all-entertainment, all... all, having, all, entertainment, all the, the pleasures of the skandhas. Again with that lesson. yeah. That enlightenment affords you an experience much more vast, immense, uh, precious to know what this life is really about. Not just represented as a collection of baubles, Not everybody gets it. Everybody merrily goes along with their new toys. Uh, But having the opportunity to stay alive to yet further learn, precious, right? All right, I've gone on long enough. That is, he is the father of all the worlds. To fear, terror, debilitation, anguish, care, worry, ignorance, and obscurity, he puts an absolute end. Also completely achieving the might of incalculable knowledge and insight, as well as fearless, fearlessness, having great spiritual power and the power of wisdom, perfecting the paramitas of practical expedience and of wisdom, as well as of great good, will, and great compassion, constantly unflagging and constantly seeking the good, he benefits all. Thus, he creates the old and rotten burning house of the three worlds. And in order to save or liberate the beings from the fires of birth, old age, sickness, and death, worry, grief, woe, agony, folly, delusion, blindness, obscurity and the three poisons the three poisons being the defilements of lust for the unwholesome, hatred for the unwholesome and delusion, mistaking the one for the other he teaches and converts them enabling them to attain Anuttara Samyaksambodha he sees that the beings are scorched by birth, old age, sickness, death, care, grief, woe, and anguish. They also, thanks to the fivefold desires for wealth, suffer a variety of woes. Also, since they adhere greedily to their views, hard to change their minds, and seek persistently what they desire. Right? That's that craving and clinging. They currently suffer many woes and shall hereafter suffer the woes of hells, beasts, and hungry ghosts. Or if they are born above the heavens or in the midst of men, suffer woe in the straits of destitution or the woe of separation from what they love or the woe of union with what they hate. It is in the midst of such various woes as these. That the beings are plunged, yet they cavort in joy, unaware, unknowing, unalarmed, unafraid, neither experiencing disgust nor seeking release. In this burning house of the three worlds they run about hither and yon, and though they encounter great woes, they are not concerned. They don't know any better. So, after making that statement, he speaks directly to, or Shadiputra um, comes back to him for the question, and that's what we will start the next video with, okay? It's a very colorful story, this expedient means, or expedient devices, or whatever you want to call it. But, repeatedly, the same lesson is being given. Do you see? <clears throat> it speaks directly to our mission as bodhisattvas, right? It's a reminder that if you try to approach somebody, even if they're curious, with a lot of information. About Buddhism, I'll let you know. I'll let you think you know all the all the devices that you're coming up with. That they're not going to hear you. Right? Like those kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave us play. Leave us alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, you simply need to affect them at their level. And the, the one tool that Nitran has given us to do that, which is what Shakyamuni, or this Mahayana Sutra, is saying repeatedly without explicitly saying it, although it's pretty explicit if you understand what you're reading. Myoho This really bright jewel, right? Here you go. Come on, come on, come on. Like you're training a puppy. Until all of a sudden the puppy doesn't realize it, but it's made a habit of seeking this out in order to get what it wants. It's a tricky business because you can easily fall into making a wish-granting a jewel like Aladdin's lamp. And that's not what it is, but it may be a stepping stone toward understanding what it is. I don't know. That's a tough one. That's why there's so many skillful means, expedient devices. Ultimately, the light has to go on. But you can't rush it, because the only way to get there is by those individuals, you and me included, you and I included. My goodness, I always say it backwards. (laughs) Anyway, grammar. It is on us, individually, to enlighten our Buddha mind, right? No matter how much wisdom and experience, right? It's like all of these videos and, and uh, podcasts and, and documents on threefold, you know, all the links below. I'm sharing as much as I can of my own experience and scholarship, and ultimately, it's up to you to, to hear what you need to hear to devise your own insights, oh, I know what that means, and then say it a different way that works for you. Whatever motivates you, keeps you confident, it's your enlightenment. Only you can do it. So I encourage you, keep your practice strong, savor it, keep your health, and I'll see you in the next one. With all my respect and gratitude. All right? Namo miyo thank you. Bye for now.